you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, thank you so much for joining for this very special episode of the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I am so grateful. We get to peruse a question that I get all the time. I think every podcast I've been on in this podcast tour, including the most recent talk I just gave to the Therapist Network, I was so grateful to get to work with fellow clinicians in this uh, presentation. I get asked this question, what types are most compatible and are we compatible? Now, wherever you're listening in your schedule, I'm recording this in the holidays, December of 2023. And so I'm aware that right now we're also seeing in culture a lot of Hallmark movies. We're having seasonal affect disorder hit us. We're in an advent waiting time and people are feeling longing, lament. There's a stirring and it's it's hard. There's sobering news. Uh, it's hard to really sometimes see the forest for the trees. It's hard to see compatibility when you're faced with either these grim circumstances around you, or on the other hand, this space of seeing all these perfect couples really show off on the news and on everything you you're hearing about in terms of just holiday movies. So, and I know you've seen me do these talks. We just did the family man episode. We did the holiday before we've done elf. We have done uh sleepless in Seattle. We have had so much fun with particularly the holiday movie that is my favorite. And that had to be rewatched this week was while you were sleeping, you guys have to check out the episode Amy Wicks and I did a while back on that one. That one is so funny. Amy and I always have so much fun. And our quote is, these mashed potatoes are so creamy. She got me on that quote and it's such a good one that while like the family is stirring up trouble, they're like trying, mom is trying to distract with a compliment. She's very two-ish and, and we get drawn into these stories, right? And, and we long for these romances. And for some reason, Bill Pullman pulled me in. Maybe that's because his name is Bill Pullman and that's maybe even a pseudonym for what he's supposed to do. He does not play this role in other movies. In fact, he usually plays a role that really uh, makes us really not like him. He's such an antagonist in other roles, or at least a very subversive sort of side character that gets rejected. But in this movie, uh, and in many movies probably that you enjoy over the holidays, you see this draw, this attraction between characters, and and it's done so well. And while you're sleeping with him, even against the, the Peter of the show, who's much more supposedly bright and handsome. And so I really want you to know that these questions rise up all year long about compatibility, but even more now. So we have to take time to delve in, especially now, uh, so that you can really take some comfort in knowing that we're going to bust through some myths too. So before we get to that, I just want to pause to say a Happy birthday to Melody Jane. She is such a treasure and she just hit her sweet 16. For those who know her well, you're probably like, how is she not 
35 because she has uh, gone through the Enum certification course. She's landed already um, publications at college and she has helped with my launch. And uh, she she was on, we were just laughing because she was on the All About Enneagram Nines episode. And that episode has been like way higher than any of our other episodes as far as listenership. And so Thank you for all of you who love and listen to that episode, who took tips from Melody. And we have just been trying to make her feel so loved and seen this past week. You guys know nines love their comfort. So I will let you know that she got a new bed and she was so happy because you know how nines love their space. And of course, the items on her list were like charting it, like making sure. And she's like, oh, I have to make sure my list is really good because I'm feeling really seen and I'm grateful. I'm grateful her friends are seeing her and her teachers and she's being appropriately celebrated for all she gives here at Enneagram Marriage, not the least of which are her fun Friday witticisms that we are always sharing her and I between us, like trying to figure out how to make a cascade of fun Friday stories on Instagram. So thank you for that. Thank you for Spotify, where we just got to see that we were upwards of 3000 people's top 10 pod and 2000 plus top five pod. And we're nearing the 1.5 million downloads. So we're grateful and we're hopeful that you will learn from our free resources because we have so many. Jen just uploaded another 50 blogs uh, and now we have all these extra blogs for you guys so that you can learn right with us. When I was teaching today, uh, somebody was reminded, okay, go to her freebies page, get those. But right now, you also know we have up our 12 days sale. We have our new relationship bundle. So there's a lot here for you. And I just wanted to let you know that if you're new, make sure you get on our email list. Go to anyramandmarriage.com. If you've been a faithful podcast listener for a while, it would mean the world to us to have you review the podcast or to even share a review of my book, The Enneagram and Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together and Your Unique Pairing. I'm so grateful I've been able to share this book with you. You are the reason this book got to happen. So thank you for being here and let's learn together about compatibility today. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to throw up some slides for us together today too, because I want to make sure that for those who are visual types that you get to really process with me a little bit visually. So that way we can actually move together in this way of knowing that we are going to probably have some things for you to take notes on. So, and this is sort of a way for me to bring you to my YouTube page too, if you happen to want to be part of our coaches certification, we're going to be doing that again soon too. So you can really allow yourself to look at these programs I have so that you could become part of our inner circle and you could become part of this ongoing journey on a deeper level so we can connect and get to know each other. So cool. So, but first and foremost, let's talk about finding compatibility and what it takes, because you've already heard me allude to the fact that many of us are not going to feel compatible after the honeymoon season is over. And so I want to speak to what you need in order to bring more compatibility, as well as to some of the reasons I think many people feel like they don't have the compatibility anymore. 
So first and foremost, I want you to just have this baseline understanding that irregardless of your compatibility perceptions, we all need time together. Quality time is a non-negotiable. So couples, we're, we're shaving time off to do what we can with the modern world getting busier and busier, but minimally six hours a week where you're getting a couple date nights in, a couple fun nights, maybe watching TV, having deep conversation, being intimate sexually and otherwise, and connecting this is an essential practice. It It's going to feel like there's a lack of compatibility for anyone if you're not spending time together. I just had dear friends say that to me. For those who have been listening to my podcast, you're going to know that I'm telling you, man, sometimes I'm really realizing that um, my, some of my friends are telling me like, we're not doing well. And it's largely because of that lack of time. So I think that has to be addressed before we just say somebody's not compatible. Are you spending quality time together where you're not just doing coupon conversations, but you're truly unwinding? Second of all, we're all going to need turning towards behaviors. You guys hear John Gottman talk about this in all of his books. If you've ever read any of them or heard the number one world's best marriage researcher talk about how to connect, you have to lean in. Turning towards behaviors are very specific behavioral turns with your body to look at each other when the other person is speaking. And it takes efforts to look away from your phone, to get out of your comfy position in bed. It may take uh, furniture movement. I've seen it all with the couples I work with. So I want you to understand diving for that connection is still good. I used to do that when Wes would call me as a high schooler. I would tell my mom, I'm in the shower. If he calls, get me out. To her credit, she did not get me out. Um, <laughs> but you know that desperation you feel in the early years, you have to make sure that you still try to go for it and let them see you excited when they come home or you come home. Don't just keep doing what you're doing. And that is so the tendency and we've all fallen into that trap. So it's just a reminder, perceived incompatibility is a threat when we miss each other genuinely. Now, it's also hard when we have a narrative that is an inner script, maybe even from childhood or family of origin that says, I'm not safe. This person doesn't care about me. But instead, if we invite in the narrative, generally speaking, of I take good care of myself, my spouse is a good person, I picked well, they're growing, I'm growing, we grow at different rates and paces, this is a healthy thought and a great inner script. And allowing yourself to focus in on gratitude will help cover a number of issues that you have. You know, the greatest of these is love. Let's think about that uh, for those who are familiar with the passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It's true. Love covers a multitude of our sins, our errors. And when we focus in on what we love about somebody with our inner script, it's research-based. It works. Okay. Now, now we're getting into Enneagram though. We need a healthy nuance. We need to figure out how to work temperament-wise together. And, and I share that, of course, in my book for you so that you can really allow yourself that time to look to see, okay, what is our pairing? I have everybody's, your, your shade, your shadows. We'll talk a little bit about that here a bit more. But in general, I want you to know that every couple has issues that need to be addressed and they will come out 
in terms of your pairing sometimes. It will be that we learn that this one has that issue and this one generally has this issue and you have to face that. And guess what? You also have beautiful gifts that you each contribute. So we're going to talk about those too, but I just wanted you to really have the awareness that I have all of it laid out in actual mini treatment plans for you in the book, along with conflict tools, tools for feeling safe together, tools for forgiveness, tools for walking through attachment wounds. So don't forget to grab this book for your friends, your loved ones, your pre-nuptial friends, and also for you too to highlight it as I was so grateful that my editor, Stephanie Duncan Smith, reminded us to do. So what I also want to teach you though today is how do we find compatibility together. So I'm going to briefly go through the nine types. For those of you who are new to this podcast, I I really want you to know, I always think I'm speaking to the person who's been here forever with me. And what was also so interesting, I know Spotify lists are just for Spotify, so they don't tell us about everybody. But And I think Spotify is about 30 to 40% of listenership. I think Apple is still really big in in terms of their wide Apple podcast is still the biggest thing people use because of their smartphones that are Apple phones. Um, But I think generationally, millennials love Spotify, millennials and down. And so I think that I don't have a perfect sample size here, but what I'm really learning is that people are new here, that there was at least on Spotify, 85% of people were new to this podcast this year, which makes me think it'll be really important for us to at least delve into the basics of each type and to invite you to go back to my earlier episodes where you can really look to see, oh, there's a, like I mentioned the episode on the deep dive with nine, there's deep dives on each type. And then if you go back even farther into the EM vault of over 400 episodes, you are going to see that we also have some episodes just for, you know, intro to each type. We also go through each type with each other type. So there's a lot for you, but we're going to go through a basic type today to talk about compatibility. So first, let's divide the types by intelligence centers. We have the heart and feelings types, twos, threes, and fours. We have the head or thinking types, five, sixes, and sevens. And we have the body or gut types, the ones, eights, and nines. And these types are really important to delineate even further. But in general, I want you to know that sometimes we find most compatibility in terms of friendship with people of our own center. And we may find the polarity more attractive with people of other centers. Now, that is a may because there's still about 20 to 30 percent of people who find that their own center in in terms of head type with a head type or a body type with a body type, et cetera, is the best fit for them. So and some of them, like the eight, nine marriages, the uh, one, nine marriages, this is a very common type anyway, nine. So I do see a lot of, you know, body type with body type, but. What we find is the Enneagram is made up of nine personality types, as well as we're grouping one group here. We're calling them the intelligence centers or the triads, right? This feelings, the the thinking, and also these gut types that I mentioned. Um, but what we're really saying when we are looking at relationships and how compatible we are is people are going to vary, but often the perceived incompatibility comes from a rub with somebody of the same type or a different type. And that is for everybody. And like I said, usually it's because they're different. So at first, what first attracted you, as my friend Dr. Sharon Otis says, 
now attacks you. And so you're like, oh, I'm a head type. I love that heart type. Or I'm a body type. I need that head type. And and it's so inviting because they're so different. Or maybe even you're the same type and you're like, oh, we're so the same. It's so beautiful. But then you realize your shadows come and it's not as easy to just fold in after the honeymoon vibes are over. And literally the oxytocin is less as your children come and you have less time for hugs and the six second kiss and all the rest. So it doesn't mean you can't do those things. It just means statistically speaking, it's not as easy. So um, truly, it's important for you to know that often perceived incompatibility is not just about what I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, which is where we're missing each other because of schedule. It's often because we've hit a wall with our similarities or our differences, and we feel the shadows upon us. Like, man, two people that are stuck in their feelings all the time, we're not thinking clearly. Or two people that are thinking we're taking each other down or uh, thinking in a body type like Wes and I sometimes, where are our hearts? So it can be really important for you to look at your shadows when you're trying to figure out compatibility instead of trying to find a new partner whom with you'll still run into shadows very similarly to the ones you're running into now. It's more important to say, taking a deep breath, making sure we get quality time, that we invite in self-care, that we invite in joy, and gratitude, and that we're starting to also notice that we have gifts that are different and that we really need to be more thankful for those differences and try to work them out too, so that we don't just abandon our relationship in the name of perceived incompatibility, which is, as I've mentioned on recent podcasts, the number one reason for divorce in early marriages. So as a reminder, your personality forms very early on, and it's not a bad or good personality. It's just that you have nature and nurture involvement and how you feel safe and where you feel like you can rise up and shine and and your partner does too. And that's not a bad or good thing. So I want to help you to avoid saying any of the types are bad or good as we walk through them in a second here. But I also want to help you to know that Why I love the Enneagram is it can help us to do that a lot easier. So if you are newer here, know that this system really gives us the tools to walk through the types with a generosity and also a cautionary tale. So we're going to do that. And I'm going to tell you one thing that might be blocking you from compatibility with your spouse, depending on your type. So if you're a type one, you are known for your goodness and improvement in the world. And you are very detailed and you like to fix things, but your partner might perceive incompatibility if you're judging them so hard and they feel like they're never measuring up. They're never good enough. You're always seeing the flaws in them first. That can be exhausting and very wearying. And I was just talking with a friend about that today. Um, And so I think that's important for you to really process if you're a one that this is why somebody might perceive incompatibility with you because they may perceive ah, like they're not grace-filled. They don't see that they're flawed too. All they're seeing is mine and they're judging me. And then there's another one in the other corner who believes the exact opposite. And they're not able to see the serenity of accepting things as they are and letting God be God. So keep that in mind if you're a one. And if you're in love with a one, try to understand that that's hard. And when a one is trying to critique, they are trying to do it out of love. 
Now, if you're a two or with a two, often note that twos as the givers, the helpers, they're serving in all these capacities, their very worth feels very tied to what they do, which can be very tied up into pride. I need to be the one in the center or doing something important. And that can lead us into type three a little bit too. Um, But in general, make sure that you understand if you're a two, you might feel like if I'm not vulnerable and I just keep serving, everyone's going to love me. But you might actually have your partner perceive incompatibility where they're like, you're too perfect. All you do is serve and you don't make time for us. When you do, you're bouncing up, getting up, not really sitting, not aware of your emotions, just everybody else's, not doing your work, just everybody else's work. And they can feel like you're missing out on the chance to really get boundary setting done. And they might feel like, I can't trust you because I don't think you're thinking critically and you don't have good boundaries and self-care. Or if you're a self-preserving too, they might say, you've got really good self-care, but I don't see you serving me. So it could flip a little bit depending on your instinct patterns. But I want you as a two to be reflective of Help me, you know, helping you to see it's not a lack of compatibility, it's a lack of vulnerability. So being humble and vulnerable will be so good for your relationship. Not too much to where you lose self-worth, but yeah. Okay, now type threes, as I hinted, you guys really bring a lot of glory. You bring a lot of achievement and you bring a lot of virtue in terms of excellence and goal getting and making things happen. You're hard workers. You'll work to the bone for your family, but oftentimes they miss you. You are the missing piece and they need more time with you. And I know that can be anxiety provoking for you, but when they feel incompatible with you, it's sort of back to what I said about the lack of quality time. Like as a baseline, no matter how many riches you provide or how glorious your performance is, if you're not there to be with your people, emotional needs don't get met. And as you heard me say, heart is very important. So make sure you're in with your heart and you can feel the hearts of others, but make sure you're brave to do this work. And that's a word I want really to connect with you as a three is be brave because that is something threes can miss for the performance. Um, Socially brave sometimes, but brave relationally, meaning I'm digging deep. I'm going to see what they're needing and requesting, even if it's not about performance and I'm going to live there more. I'm going to live with the staying power of being with my people and helping in the small, humble ways. Okay, now fours, we know that when somebody has a lack of perceived compatibility with the four, it's often because the four is sending out hot, cold, mixed messages or in the victim stance. And the person is feeling like they're drowning along with the four, that they can't pull them up or drag them up, that they can't make the mood shift for the four all the time. And so the four is staying in melancholy and not allowing for them to really even have a chance. There's some envy going around usually about the partner, but also about the culture around the four. And so the four, if that's you, you have to get into your body work. You have to get into movement, even if it's just putting one foot in front of the other on a daily basis. This helps you so much. Also, your art is a great heart space to just connect with yourself and to take your time and know that if you are with a four, they do need their time. So you can't expect them to ever become a person who rushes. But what you can do is you can say, you know, I really love my four. So I'm going to remind myself with my inner script 
that they are an artist and they do need time for feelings. And so I can let them have some time to process, but just be aware that for you have to come out and connect with others, or you're going to have that perceived compatibility lack. And I know you don't want that as a heart type. Okay. Now fives, they think we can guess what people say when they feel the incompatibility with fives. It's, I need more time. I don't get enough time. I don't get enough of you. I get maybe some support or troubleshooting at times or innovations. Uh, Fives are so good at researching, but sometimes they forget to share their own vulnerabilities. And and that's very important. And, And they can feel like so bogged down that they don't have time. They don't have energy, but it's essential. So make sure you're in, that there's synergy, that you're active, you're activated, that you're taking that courage to be in the relationship, to let them know unequivocally that you are there. That will help your partner to feel like, hey, we all have stuff, but we are in this together. That's key. For our sixes, it's so important that you understand that with all the loyalty, all the courage, all the wisdom that you bring, all the befriending, that even your protection, if you have some counterphobic elements, that your whole family and especially your partner, they also need to see you release control. They need to see you let go, laugh, have fun, relax, and lean into them. Not just ask them to lean into your patterns that you've planned out so well with all your troubleshooting. They need to see you soft and pliable to their needs and their desires. And not just the acts of service, but the ways that they are asking you to be in the world with them. So for instance, you may say, okay, I have a long list of places I won't go to or people I won't see because they bring out my neuroticism and they say, you know what? No, I just, I do want to do this event with you. And I do want you to tolerate the stimuli that seems frustrating or anxiety provoking a little bit more. And that's activating and you can get very reactive. You can get into a controlling space, but if you really want compatibility, leaning in and allowing for expansiveness and taking a deep breath and having your uh, virtue of courage is everything to this process. So make sure you are letting them know that you are not just malleable in a masking sort of way where you're not strong, but, but that you're like, no, I'm strong, but I'm also brave and I can do new things with you. Okay. Type sevens. Oh my gosh. I have a lot to say to you, but what I'll say in general, since I share your type is that your joy and optimism are always going to be a gift to your marriage, except when you're avoiding doing the work of the relationship that's hard and needs grieving or needs uh, emotions. And I'll use the word pain because you've heard me say many times on this podcast that pain is hard for us. And I will add to it that physical pain is hard. It's not that we can't bear it if we're on our own, but sharing physical pain when you're in pain and you have to share space and be kind, that's hard for a seven. The mind is activated. The assertiveness is activated, sometimes aggressiveness. And putting together pain plus an assertive aggressive seven can bring out the worst, the most critical type one arrow of the seven. And instead, your partner, when they're seeing this all the time, they're going to say, gosh, you're not compatible with me because you don't roll with the punch when things get hard, you're out of there and you're evacuating and you're going into your, you know, under a rock to be alone, or you're going to laugh it off and not face it. But, but to be in it, to stay, to suffer alongside, like that's courage. And that takes a lot of hard work. And that's what people need to see from you. Seven is you having a deeper, more sober joy when things get tough. 
So doing that work with you. Type eight, I want to remind you that while we love your protecting, your challenges make us stronger. They make us, in fact, see how strong we are. They often make us also on the same token, forget that we are capable and competent on our own without you. And Frankly, your family needs to see that they can do things too. There's an agency that human beings need in order to feel their own purposes. So sometimes it can become conflated if you just push, push, push your agenda, your needs, and your partner can feel like you've swallowed them up and that there's nothing left of them if you're not careful. So that perceived compatibility lack can come from that space of you not leaning in and listening to them and letting them guide and letting them share ideas. So really pay attention to that and really work on listening there. It'll be huge. Okay, nines. When people have a lack of perceived compatibility with you, it's often because you've grown weary of not feeling hurt in the world. You've been nursing wounds about not being hurt in the relationship, and they're not sure what's going on because there's a stubbornness about nines that is sometimes hard to name, but the lack of kinetic energy and the the amount of full potential energy, which potential energy is huge, even in the physics formulas my son and I are looking at. Um, It's important for you to see that this is your move now. Instead of it being all about what your spouse needs to do for you, allowing you to wake up, do your body work, come back into the positivity, come back. And that is a natural state for a nine. So that's good. When they're awake, they can be quite positive. They can be quite pragmatic, good at problem solving, good at action. Um, so this is a great look for you. And it in that action is your voice. So you can share that voice with your spouse and they will love how demure you are. Demure. They will love how you are able to be witty. They will love seeing you rise up and they will be, like I said, challenged, like I said, to the eight. And so make sure as a nine that you know you also bring a challenge. You're a justice fighter too. You may not feel it. But that's one of your gifts inherently as a peacemaker, because peacemakers bring peace and that's just. So it's a beautiful lens for us to look at in terms of these triads. And I love that as well. I also want to say when we look at compatibility, I just ask you to create a love equation in your mind. I've talked about how each of the types loves. And if you're watching on my PowerPoint here, you're seeing that I'm sharing ways that each type loves too. And I have this on my freebies. I have this in my book, but your ones are loving with precision, order, and goodness. Your twos are loving with generosity and helpfulness. Threes, achievement and extravagance. Fours, creativity and compassion. Fives, innovation, wisdom, and curiosity. Sixes, loyalty and planning. Sevens, joy and enthusiasm. Eights, love with passion and protection. And nines, with peace and thoughtfulness of others. Now, to find your love equation, you just have to combine. Okay, I'm a seven with a three. We are loving others with achievement, extravagance. We're loving others with joy and enthusiasm. That's your glow. So instead of looking at what we don't have and and making our shadow our formula and saying we're incompatible, we need to look at each of our gifts. However... We also need to look at that shadow and see what's going on underneath that is actually taking us down. Um, And so that shadow is, you know, going to be unique for each one. If you're a one, your shadow is if I'm not good, I'm all bad. So it's worrying that you're all bad. If it's twos, that you're not worthy. If it's threes, I'm nothing without achievement. Fours, I'm not special. I'm not unique. 
fives, I'm overwhelmed. And if you don't know my competency, I will lose my life. Or, you know, if I don't back away, um, sixes, it's if I'm not prepared in the way I see it, I'll lose all my security. Sevens, if I'm not free, I'll be overwhelmed in an unbearable pain. Eights, if I'm vulnerable, I'll be overtaken and defeated. And nines, if I don't keep the peace, I will lose my relationships and I could disappear. And so, these fears are deep and we bring them out sometimes in very creative ways. They're not always good creative, but but just we're sidestepping a lot of relationship issues sometimes because these feelings linger internally. And when you know your partner and you know they have these issues, you're much less likely to look at your issues as a lack of compatibility and much more as, oh, we each have shadows that we bring. And I'm going to go next time over the instincts and finding that instinctual glow together um, this holiday. And you know, all of this is in my book too, but I want you to really understand if you take part in my five-week course in January, I'm going in the depths with you. I'm talking about this live with you, and we're going to be creating some conversations around corners that we haven't talked about here. But before we leave today, I do want to let you know this glow that we have has these stages of a relationship just to remind you, because like I said, holiday movie times, notwithstanding, it's a season wherever you're at of if you're even asking the question, even if it's literally April or May or beautiful, sunny June 21st and it's summer solstice solstice, you are still listening or watching this and you need the comfort to know that you're not alone in the stage of relationship you're in, even if you have a lack of perceived compatibility. So going through the stages of relationship, uh, it's not too far distant from uh, Maslow's stages, which I talk about on other podcasts, but the stages of a relationship essentially are that at the beginning you shine. A lot of people use that phrase of how can we go back to shiny? I hear podcast hosts talk that through sometimes. And, you know, it's so important that you realize that everybody has that Jane Austen feeling of there could have been no two hearts so open, no taste so similar, no feeling so in unison in these early moments together, not saying we didn't have some um, polarity at first, but when you start to really connect, you're like, oh my gosh, like we got through our polarity. We're flying high together. We're shining. And then we start healing each other and we start bringing, oh, we close wounds. We stitch each other up. It's beautiful. We connect in ways that we've been, you know, missing in our families of origin. And we're finding instincts and types that really delve in to healing our wounds and it's just such a self. Um, then unfortunately we hit the shadows and it usually kind of coincides with very busy work schedules, travel or kids, maybe both. And we're throwing shade and we get stuck in deeper defense mechanisms again, just like we used to before we met our partner. And now they're even worse because we're like, oh my gosh, I'm conflating all my issues with you. I don't think we're compatible and conflict mounts. And this is essentially where a fixed mindset instead of a growth mindset can be disastrous for a marriage. This is where I want you to take some deep breaths and come through with the awareness that we can do the next stage, which is immersing 
and the work together. And that's where you meet me. If you do coaching with me or you take one of my courses or you get my book is we really want you to get to work on these conflict strategies and to be able to understand what makes you each feel safe and to move towards that and to bring your self-care in so that you're not drowning in your immersion, right? Because we think of immersion as sort of dunking you down and hopefully rising back up with refreshment, but we want you to keep rising back up so you can continue to daily come back up for air and get healing. Even if it's just like every day I take a walk, every day I eat this food, I drink this water. Melody Jane is so good about her 64 ounce water with her huge Stanley or whatever cup she has around. And you allow yourself to replenish every day, even while you're working and immersing, even if it's something very small. Doing this work matters, but also making sure you refresh and rest matters. Okay. Now, when we come into that next stage, I call it the glow 2.0 or sunrise. It's this stage where we're rising back up. We've had our dark night of the soul, if you will. And we are saying, okay, I looked, I saw our Enneagram stuff. We probably talked it out. We probably tried to learn to honor each other in the conversations. We probably learned how to have compassion. We stopped saying we weren't compatible and we learned in which ways we were compatible. We learned about our shadows. We learned about the ways we glow. And now we realize we're shining brighter than ever because we're not holding on to these unforgiveness pieces and we're releasing resentments. And that's just a great experience because you're getting energy back, guys. You didn't realize how much it was holding you down to feel so crappy. So this is a great phase. And then lastly, we hit the afterglow where you're helping to speak into others' lives. Now we're coinciding directly with Erickson's stage generativity versus stagnation. And we're pouring into the lives of others as we continue to do our work as needed. So we're we're shining in the world. We're loving each other. We're offering grace and compassion. We're welcoming in love, fun, and laughter each day. And we're finding our light together. So I'll see you on Wednesday as we get ready to just process a little bit more about finding our compatibility through instincts. But I wanted to make sure you had this today with me because truly, I really love our time together. And I really wanted to make sure we did an encompassing episode on this number one question I get. So to reiterate, make sure you grab my book, The Enneagram and Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together in Your Unique Pairing for a deep dive into all those stages you just heard me talk about all the way from the glowing, shining early days of marriage to the afterglow. I have type three with a three here, um, but every pairing. And then also make sure that you are aware that I have the five-week course starting January 11th. It makes a great course present to your spouse. And I really want you to know that we spend more time each week scrolling than we do on relationships. So keep that in mind. If you're like, I don't have an hour a week that if you just give those five hours over your relationship could be in such a better place when you're done. So I hope you'll do that. Use our coupons. Um, make sure that you also grab our resources on our 12 days sales or head over to enneagramandmarriage.com to see what we've got going now as you look, but make sure that you continue to follow, subscribe, leave a review, and just share it 
with others, pay it forward, come into that afterglow with me and keep on allowing others to grow with us. Because as I've mentioned, you know, I want my friends to gain too, not just the people here. I want you guys to know that I consider you a friend if you're geeking out with me on this material. I'm so happy you're here. So thank you and have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.